I'm at the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Administration Building on Cumberland Road, and uh, I have some of the top people at the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Administration. I have Dr. Yvonne Stokes, the superintendent, Dr. Matt Kegley, the assistant superintendent, and the chief financial officer, Katie Dowling. So we, I, when I was in the high school years ago, I used to, the security guy used to say, oh, the top brass are coming. That meant the principal was there mm-hmm. and the assistant. I've got the top brass <laughs> right here in front of me. And I better saying, leave then, Larry. No, you are, you are part of that. Oh. Katie, Katie claims she's not, but she is. Well, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, I want to just congratulate all of you. You had a terrific event the night before of recording this on August the 4th, the evening of August 3rd. There was a, a, an opening uh, event that you had. You invited the community. The weather was perfect over at the amphitheater. And Dr. Stokes, I saw you there. Uh, yes. Terrific crowd. Before the bell is what you're speaking of. And yes, it was a great event. Um, led by our wonderful team leader here, Emily Abbotts, um, and of course, others helped her. But we enjoyed the time. Most importantly, we felt it was great to have the community come out and connect with their schools before the bell. Yeah, and Matt, uh, you were there. I, I didn't have to see you there because we were both just wandering around, never did uh, cross paths. But the mayor was there, the, the uh, school board president was there. Um, many of the administrators were there, and the crowd was definitely into it. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was really a great turnout, um, and everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. I, I I tease Emily throughout the planning of this because this was a community engagement piece that was the very very tail end of our Lily work way back, and it got handed off to me, and we ec- tried to execute it last year, and. I probably should have just gotten out of the way a lot earlier, but after last year's event, Emily said, I'm taking this over. You're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and the result was a lot of people uh, turned out, and she brought a lot of uh, new new uh, pieces to the evening, so it was great. You had good weather a year ago, and you still had a pretty good crowd a year ago. So yeah, what uh, Yeah, but this yep. was a much bigger one. And, of course, Katie, your only concern is how do you pay for it? <laughs> Well, I'm sure we budgeted that. No. Um, Given the structure of it, there are plenty of supports in order to make those things happen. When you think of those food truck vendors and the things that they're doing, the revenue really supports it. And it really supports itself. And our foundation supports it as well, which is a big, big, big piece of that. Yeah, it should be noted there were a lot of administrators there, but uh, the teachers were there. They were Mm -hmm. there. There are there is volunteers. Their contract doesn't technically start until the following Monday. So, True. any teacher that was there did so because they volunteered to they, be there. They love our school district. They love our community. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly here to talk about the start of school. We're recording this on the Friday before the start of school. It'll be the following Wednesday, the first day of classes. Of course, the staff will start uh, uh, to report a couple of days before that. Um, all of you have been through this. I'll ask Dr. Stokes first. Uh, you've done this with uh, many different school systems. Uh, the first day of school, the preparation for that, uh, are they mostly the same or are they all different when you look at those days? So I would say that preparation for the start of the school has a similar pattern year after year. However, what makes it slightly different might be you know, for example, that we have two interim principals starting out the school year. Um, and we have some things that we are doing differently with some of our supports. So things like that. But for the most part, it's 
pretty routine. And of course, we have like 113 new teachers. So for them, of course, it's probably not routine, but our supports that we put in place are pretty routine. And Matt Kegley, you've uh, been through many of these at Hamilton Southeastern School System as a building principal and as central office administrator. Uh, about the same, or do you see different uh, challenges each year? Um, there's always some new, new initiatives that come along. Um, you know that we sometimes have to tackle and get in front of it at the start of the school year, but. Uh, Every new year is, uh, you know, a new start. Seems a little cliche, but it's true. We had our Thursday the 2nd yesterday was uh, our new teachers were in for new teacher orientation. And that's always, for me, a really uh, great event to, to see all of them. And, and as Dr. Stokes said, we had 113 new teachers with us as of right now to start the school year. So um, we're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and of course, Katie, uh, most of your work is done by the time the school starts. You've uh, got the money is in place and, and uh, you're, you're paying the bills, but uh, yours is more of an ongoing uh, job. So first day of school, uh, how do you look at that? I think this year what would be different from my perspective is the referendum renewal. Um, we're starting the school year having gotten started there, and so that has a different tone and tenor. Um, and Dr. Stokes and I will be speaking to them, not in an advocacy manner, but in an educational manner about what we're working on. And then I think construction, what projects do we have and how does that change them? But that's happening months before the first day just to make sure they're lined up. And so, you know, new project at FES at Fisher's Elementary and making sure we also have an interim principal there. They have everything they need to start off uh, safely and securely for all of our kids. But And people driving down Cumberland Road, they see all that construction. Yeah. That's that you know what that is I do the, well yeah don't worry though that's the additional lot so our buses will have the what they used to have available uh, yeah I know it looks pretty daunting from the road but they'll be able to get buses in and out right and that's for the bus it is to, to expand to, the footprint um, mm -hmm. of the site to improve safety and the ability to park the buses there as well as for them to get around one another safely we've got a uh, I think 10 pounds of potatoes in a five pound bag over there and that's really what we're fixing so, as well as Wi-Fi connectivity and some other things that we want to do with buses that'll make just some of the processes of data that we gather like camera footage that it can connect to Wi-Fi instead of pulling something out putting it in and all that fun stuff that I'm sure everybody wants to hear about. But I was uh, selected to be part of the HSE Engaged uh, group last time, and we did a. I had never had a tour of the bus facility. Mm. That was eye-opening for me, and I can see the need for for that construction. Dr. Stokes, let me move on to something else. Uh, Kim Lippy will be starting her new job at Brownsburg High School September 5th. When is her last day here? Um, she will be with us through the end of the month. Well, this is a key time for you as uh, school is just beginning. You still have staff moving in now even after school starts. So, you know, she's in charge of uh, human relation, uh, yeah, HR, as well as dealing with policies. So uh, since her time is short here, uh, do you think you'll have to be putting somebody in at an interim basis? Or how do you plan on uh, filling that job? So we have um, posted the position, and of course, we're always hopeful that we will find a candidate who has some experience and who can come and loves our district and do a good job. But hope is not a strategy, as some of my colleagues like to say. So with that being shared, um, most of us who are sitting here at this table, we're going to put our heads together and look at what we need to do to make sure that the position is being held. And if I have to step in and 
help hold it down. It is what it is. So those are the types of things we're doing. It's a collaborative support. So the hope is you'll have somebody in there quickly, but in the interim, you're all going to have to pitch in to make sure all this gets done. That is correct. And uh, I assume that would include you, Matt. <laughs> well, of course. Of course. Uh, the biggest part of any kind of transition like that is is having a plan and a transition plan. And Kim, I'm sure, will do a great job in letting us know what's in, in the balance right now so that there's a clean handoff. Well, let's talk about something else. You know, Katie, I, have, I get a lot of questions in my role. And one of the most often asked questions of me in recent weeks, student fees. Mm -hmm. And there's good news and bad news when it comes to student fees. The good depends news, on which side you're on. And of course, it depends on the side you're on. Let's take a look at the parental, parental mm -hmm. side. Uh, people have complained about the number of fees that public schools have charged in Indiana for a long time. Indiana General Assembly made a big change. Explain mm -hmm. that change. So the General Assembly identified an amount per student that they are going to distribute to school corporations um, that will serve as the funding source for curricular materials. Curricular materials are defined by statute, um, but essentially it is all of the things that you're using to fully implement the curriculum or to educate students. Um, and so they've identified that amount. We know it's tenants estimated at 150, a student. They'll distribute that once per year. And in return, we are no longer allowed to charge for anything that is considered a curricular material. Which means, and this is the question I keep getting, it means that if you have an iPad, that fee is gone? Correct. And books, that fee is gone? Correct. There are some other fees, but the big fees that uh, parents and families have been paying mm -hmm will no longer, and people just really can't believe it mm -hmm. when I tell them that. I say it's easier to talk about what we can charge for, probably, than yeah. what we can't because there's such variation. So um, we can charge for preschool fees. Uh, we can charge for the testing fees for dual credit um, and advanced placement courses because the testing isn't required in order to get the, you know, for the class. So that's a, an add-on. Um, there is a lot of discussion about materials and what are materials. We have taken the position this year uh, that we would prefer to absorb those costs internally and let, go, let us go through a year together and see how this kind of falls out. Um, the one thing that we believe will remain will be um, instrument fees. Um, and so we're trying to sort through that right now. Uh, but so the instrument rental that one might pay to like a pages music, I think is one of them or pages that does that will likely remain. But most everything else, field trips will remain. Anything um, associated with an extracurricular will remain because that isn't covered by the day to day of a free and appropriate education. Uh, but it will look, yes, a lot less. We will be charging for lost materials, things like that. Well, Katie, the other side of that coin I talked about is that you talked about the $151 in cents that the state is providing for each student to make up for those student fees. And based on your presentation to the school board recently, mm -hmm. that's going to be somewhat less than a million dollars to the school corporation. Is that correct? It is. So how do you handle that? Well, hope isn't a strategy, as Dr. Stokes said. Um, oh, my gosh, yes. So I think what gets confusing, I think, for folks is that, well, how can that possibly be? They pulled this information and they didn't get it right. I think we have to remember is the, the number that the state came up with was based on the 
items we turn into the state every year for textbook reimbursement, but not everything that we charge, like material fees, can be included in that. So your $6 science fee, your $4 art fee, um, you know, your the, the $20 book that they buy in junior high to do something in addition to in band, those were things that weren't going to the state, which is why their number was off. Now, right, wrong, as like anything, when you have to peel something back and really dig into it, you learn a lot of new things. And so that's what we found. Um, we've had to shift some expenses around, specifically devices. Uh, and we've handled that to close that gap. We'll go through year one of this, and then we'll evaluate after our first distribution and see where we're at. You know, Dr. Stokes, from what I understand, we're not the only school corporation in Indiana facing this. Has this Correct. been a topic of conversation amongst uh, school superintendents? It has. It has. Um, we've talked often, and I will tell you, we all have ideas about how we should handle it, but I think um, our CFOs are making the best decisions as they are also talking. And so they're all trying, we're all trying to be on the same page, if mm -hmm. that makes sense, so that um, it's clear and concise across the state. Just trying to remember, Matt, you were a school principal for many years. How many complaints did you get from parents about the fees they had to pay? I would get a few every year. It yeah. was often at, uh, you know, meet the teacher night, something <laughs> really early. Back then, we, we would sometimes give our fee statements out a little bit sooner and so parents would have those and it, particularly parents who 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 moved from out of state mm -hmm. that's where you would see it because they were not used to we indiana was one of the few states who still charged pass that along to parents and so they would they would call and say what is what is this bill and what do i do with it i said well, i'm sorry but you have to pay it mm -hmm. Well, let me just ask you, Dr. Stokes, first, uh, as we start classes here in a, a few days on the recording of this podcast, anything else parents should know? I would say that um, parents need to be aware of information that deals with what we call name changing. Um, we will be, if we have not already, sending out information via our parent square that gives them some more information and insight regarding the fact that if your child, for example, is uh, Matthew, but you want your child to be called Matt, we um, legally have to have you be, no, you have to notify us, or uh, we notify you, and we've decided that we want to have the parental permission as well. So um, we do have to notify you, uh, let me say it clearly, we have to notify parents that a child has requested to have an alternate name or a nickname. Um, that's what the law requires, but we've also added a layer to say that we want parental consent, parental or guardian consent. You know, I, for nine years I uh, was uh, in Catholic school and the Sisters of Providence didn't care about that. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was Lawrence and I couldn't be called anything else. <laughs> Or they hit you with a ruler, didn't they? There were a few rulers flying, yes. Uh, Dr. Kegley, anything you'd like to add? Uh, what parents need to know as we start another school year? Um, you know, just um, doing all you can to uh, be a partner with us at the, in the schools. Uh, we certainly uh, want parents to be involved in their child's education, and, and communication is key. And so the communication that exists between uh, our schools and home, but particularly information that comes out from our building principals, um, as well as their classroom teacher in particular, and really encourage them if they, if they have concerns to reach out to the people closest 
to their child and that issue. Um, and because they'll, they'll more than likely be the person who will be most adept at being able to handle those concerns. Katie, we've probably talked about the most important thing that uh, you would have any impact on. That would be uh, the student fees. Uh, anything else you can think of, parents that need to think about? I would think, you know, paying for lunch, things like that. Uh, yeah. would have to be. Student meals, and I would say applications for free and reduced lunch. Because textbook um, rental fees, that they essentially don't exist in large part for families anymore. That was something that was paid for if you qualified for free and reduced lunch. Therefore, if there is no fee, it sort of disincentivizes de-incentivizes you to do that and so folks who may qualify we encourage get those applications filled out um, this is assistance that is there to support kids and to support families it also supports our other programs that information factors into other funding we might receive like title one and so if we don't have applications then our numbers are going to go down we just want parents to have that as well we also don't want people getting delinquent notices on accounts because they didn't realize they still needed to fill out the form. So I would say that's the biggest thing is if, if you think you qualify, fill out the form, it's confidential. Uh, it is nothing that, you know, that is a, a, private, uh, a private matter between food service and the parent. Dr. Stokes, back to you if I can. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the dress code. There've been some changes. All I'm gonna ask you to do is just explain the policy and tell us how you will be instructing from central office the building administrators to enforce this. So um, the board has voted on things that they want to see in our handbooks. And as such, what I will be instructing administrators to do, as we always do, is to make sure you follow the will of the board in terms of what we have in our handbooks. So we will do um, what we do as administrators. They've always been respectful. They've always tried to follow um, the rules as they are. We do understand that there are individual situations sometimes that you have to deal with on an individual basis, but they will do their due diligence. I'm not fearful that they won't. They're professionals and they will follow the guise of the handbooks. You know, Dr. Kegley, as a former building principal, I know that, uh, you know, something like a dress code, you can get into the weeds and situations and there are times the principal has to get involved and make a decision. Yeah, that happens. But, you know, for the most part, that's a rarity, uh, really, really. Um, our, our students, um, if, if, if they happen to be, you know, doing something they shouldn't be, in most cases, a simple, uh, a simple request and correction from an adult usually takes care of it. And we're fortunate in that way that our students uh, come to school in, in good part, thanks to their parents and, and guardians, they come to school ready to learn every day. And uh, yes, from time to time, they need some reminders, but um, usually, usually that it doesn't turn into anything big. I want to turn to the referendum that Katie's already talked about. I'll start with Katie and ask each of you to comment on this. Uh, there is a school referendum that's going to be on the ballot in the November election for uh, any family uh, residing within the Hamilton Southeastern School District. It basically takes in all three townships, Wayne, uh, uh, Delaware, and Fall Creek. Uh, what I would ask Katie to do to start this off, uh, there's it's called a renewal of the referendum but it's actually a little bit lower rate than uh, the referendum rate has been. So explain in as simple a terms as you can what the voters are gonna be voting on, making the decision on yes or no, when uh, the, ballot is, is, uh, the ballot measure appears on that ballot in uh, November of this year. 
So essentially, as you said, it is a renewal or a continuation. So this is not a new tax, an additional tax. This is asking to continue um, at a rate of 0.1995, which is a about a 12% reduction from the current rate. So we're asking you to continue the referendum at a lesser rate to support our students. And we have a revenue funding plan that goes with that that was part of the resolution for approval that identifies this is about maintaining the classroom sizes at 21 starting at kindergarten. This is about offering, continuing to offer the specialized programming that we have available at pre-K to 12 at all levels. Um, many of those very unique to HSC, especially our teacher in residence program, which is experiential learning in a partnership with the city, which is something I think our teaching and learning department and our staff are very proud of because it's it is one of a kind. Um, as well as hiring additional SROs. We have a great relationship with the city of Fishers. Uh, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Lake have a uh, five-year, I believe, implementation plan to add additional SROs within the school corporation. Obviously, that's also based on the city's ability to recruit, retain, hire, et cetera. So that you know takes some time. Um, that's three. There's a fourth one competitive salary and benefits, and so in order to keep, keep investing in teacher salaries so that uh, we can you know, be at the top of uh, recruitment and retention. And uh, those SROs are uniform sworn police officers, they are. just so people know. And uh, I think, uh, Dr. Stokes, when we had the last referendum, I was still around then, <laughs> uh, been around forever, but uh, Dr. Borth, the superintendent at the time, would tell me that it was never the goal of HSC schools to be the highest paying school district. We wanted to be in the middle of the pack. We didn't want to be at the bottom. We wanted to be competitive, offer a good community to people. We wanted to get the highest we can, but it was never the goal to be the highest paid district. We wanted to be competitive with them uh, in terms of salary. But with that in mind, how do you view the, the referendum and, and what uh, it means to you as the superintendent of schools? The referendum is everything because without it, we can't continue the great work that we do. And it is important, like it, love it, or hate it, people have to have salaries. They have to have incomes to take care of their families. And let's be honest, if you want to live in Fishers, which many of our teachers do, you've got to make a certain income to be able to afford to live here. And we want to be competitive with our surrounding districts. You can go out, you know, to the north, south, or and you can see um, the salaries there. So we do want to be competitive in offering salaries to our staff that will keep them here. And I think many of them are here first and foremost because they love our district. But money does matter. And, you know, Matt, one thing that... Uh came up at the school board meeting and the consultant that was hired by the school corporation uh, dealing with the referendum is the fact that, and I think Katie kind of alluded to this, there's fairly confusing language and it's required by statute. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, leeway for the school district. Most of that language is prescribed by law. And if you read that language, it would appear that you're, the school corporation wants to raise the tax rate when really it's level it's i mean it's legal in the sense that it's higher than the rate would be if there was no referendum however it's, it what you're really doing is continuing this referendum rate at a lower rate so talk about the language and how it may be confusing to some voters well it it certainly it could be confusing to some people and and i think the length also is something that 
you know, people go into uh, to cast their ballot, and I think they're thinking they'll be, you know, something very similar to when they go to vote in a for for individuals, and it's just very plain and very simple, and and because of just the length alone, and feeling like you have to wade through that, and you see the word increase several times, and and that can. So, so it's really important that the messaging is is um, spot on to all of our constituents so that they can make the decision they feel is best. I'm going to ask a brief question to each of you. And um, I know this is, is, is hard to measure sometimes, but I would like for you to tell me your view of this from your perch where you sit uh, within the school district. There's always a lot of talk about morale. Is morale high? Is morale low? Sometimes... Morale's different in different buildings, different parts of the school corporation. There may be not be one, but as best you can determine it. And I'll ask Dr. Stokes to start. How would you measure or look at the morale of the staff within the HSC schools right now? That's a tough question because morale is something that each individual takes some ownership in. Um, a lot of that is how you look at something. You've heard the phrase that you can view the glass as half full and half empty. Um, we all have an ownership in that. But what I would say is that while there are always pockets during our month, our week, or our day that our morale might be low, we continue to come back every single day and do what we know is right for the students in our district. And so with that being said, I would say that while the morale can feel low at times, it is still very high because we have our educators still showing up every day and doing a great job. Uh, Dr. Kegley, your view? Well, I've had the opportunity in the last week, um, week or so to do two things. We, we had our administrative retreat last week and then, as I alluded to earlier, had an opportunity to be in front of our our hundred plus new teachers yesterday. And if if being in front of those folks is any indication, I would say morale is very high. Um, we have leaders who are excited about leading and doing so, and bringing their staffs back in. And and then I guess I I would add a third last night's event. Um, you know, interacting. Certainly, we had a lot of, of community there and a lot of families, and you can see the excitement in young children. Um, even if they don't admit that they're ready to come back to school, they generally are once they get with all, all of their friends. But, but seeing a lot of, of teachers that were there and, and just a general excitement about the start of the school year, um, I would say morale is high and we're ready to go. Katie, uh, any thoughts on what you see as morale within the school district? Well, I think, you know, morale, I would say my, my counter to that would be perseverance is getting up one more time. And to Dr. Stokes's point, everybody keeps getting up. I think like anything else, right, are there great days and are there days where you're questioning, you know, why you uprooted your life and moved here? Sure, you are, but that's pretty normal. You know, this time of year, I think for all of us who have been here, there's a lot moving around right now. I know for me specifically with budget and, you know, as well as referendum and we also have negotiations coming and we have, you know, just when you add that, so are there days when I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, but you keep coming up and you keep doing the job. Um, and I think that the people that I work with here are very much committed um, to that. 
um, because we're focused on kids. So all that other, you know, noise is not what our focus is on. Well, and speaking, you talked about negotiations with the teachers, the mm -hmm. HSEA. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish Abby Taylor a quick recovery. She's not doing uh, well f in terms of health, and she's posted this publicly, so mm -hmm. it's nothing that uh, is, she hasn't shared uh, mm -hmm. on Facebook and publicly herself, but we certainly wish her a quick recovery and hope she's back at school yes. as, as soon as possible. Yes. So I've asked a number of questions. I'm going to give each of you a chance to just add anything you would like to add. Katie, I'll give you the first shot at that. Anything you want to add that I didn't think to ask? I would say for anyone within your listening audience to learn more about the referendum, please go to um, our Political Action Committee Advance HSC Schools um, to sign up to volunteer, uh, to sign up for a yard sign. There's also an opportunity to donate. Um, none of the campaign can be paid for with district funds. Once the board has now approved the resolution, we have the advocacy rules where Dr. Kegley, Dr. Stokes, and myself, and it would be Miss Lippy if she wasn't being a quitter and going to Brownsburg, um, we would be the only four that can work on it during the day and so during the regular working day and so I would encourage people to go to the website get signed up so you can get information and stay in tune to vote yes to support our students because a 26 million dollar reduction for us is catastrophic Dr. Stokes uh, same question could you repeat the question the question Larry? is I've tried to ask several questions uh, this is your <laughs> chance to add anything you would like to add I would just say that um, to our parents, students, community members, and our internal stakeholders and staff, um, let's just make this a good year. Um, we know that you show up for children. We all support our children, and I just want this to be a good year for our children. Let's just remember it's about them. And Dr. Kegley, Matt Kegley, uh, anything you'd like to add? Uh, we're, we're here to serve. Um, kids are our number one focus, and if that doesn't get you excited about a school year, then, then uh, from an educator perspective, then, then you maybe might be in the wrong field. Uh, but we're excited to, uh, to serve our students and our families, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, we want, we want our families to feel like they're a partner with the school, and uh, so we're looking forward to, to a successful year. My thanks to Katie Dowling, Matt Kegley, Dr. Yvonne Stokes, each of you for spending some time at a busy time of year <laughs> as you're preparing for the school year to spend some time with me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.